The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we have a special bonus episode featuring Reed Wallach, Brooklyn Nets insider. He is here to break down all of the blowback ramifications of the Kyrie Irving trade to the Dallas Mavericks. Very insightful interview. It was recorded on a recent episode of MGM Tonight, right after the trade went down. I was joined by my co-hosts, Ryan Horvath and Nick Ashew. Kyrie basically froze the league, so let's get into this discussion quick and drop that generic-ass beat. Of course, we had to start off the interview by asking Reed how he was feeling now that Kyrie was out of Brooklyn, and he gave a very thoughtful answer. Yeah, uh, maybe it's the copium I'm taking, but I, I think I'm okay. I think that, uh, you know, we're going to be okay. And I think today showed that the Nets are still going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. I'm not at this time afraid that Kevin Durant is going to request out by the trade deadline. So, I think the Nets have bought themselves some time here getting Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. You're seeing the idea of what the Nets want to do here. They want to get bigger. They want to put switchable wings, wing-sized players around Durant. That could still be a contender. And, you know, I thought for a minute there uh, when the trade wasn't a finalized, talking to Toronto, maybe it's Pascal Siakam the Nets are targeting and that they're trying to bring into Brooklyn, which to me, that is that's the home run. That's, you know, that's uh, a number two level that in my opinion is probably more of a championship level mover than Kyrie Irving was. So, you know, it, the Nets are thinking big still, it seems like, and it didn't get done. You know, it's obviously a little deflating because I got a little excited this afternoon, but still a few days before the deadline Thursday. So, you know, we'll see where this, we'll see where the dust settles by Thursday, but ultimately Kyrie great player, but he had to go. I mean, you know, this was just, the nth time that he's sabotaged a season um, with the Nets. And ultimately, you know, it sucks, but it didn't work out. And, you know, have fun in Dallas. Do you feel like, Reed, that you, know, you look at some of the other players here uh, that requested out, right? You know, you mm-hmm. – or, or got traded. You have Rudy Gobert and all of the picks that 
know, it took to get him. You know, Donovan Mitchell, all the picks that it took to get him. Even DeJounte Murray, who's not even close to the same caliber of player as Kyrie Irving, all the picks that it takes to get him and some of the young players attached that make that deal get done, right? When you're, like, looking at it from this a higher level versus just we needed to unload Kyrie versus, mm -hmm. you know, what maybe you could have gotten with a player of caliber of Kyrie's caliber. Like how do you, how do you feel about just the Nets front office right now and, and the moves that they're making? I, I think for the Kyrie situation, all parties deserve blame for how that was handled. How you want to, you know, slice up the pie is up to you and for your interpretation. But to me, everyone was saying that no one's going to trade for Kyrie. No one's going to touch Kyrie. He's radioactive and it's going to be the Lakers for Russ and two first or one first or whatever. The Nets made out pretty good here. They got two quality players. Dorian Finney-Smith regarded as one of the best wing defenders in the league. In my eyes, Claxton, Durant, and Dorian Finney-Smith, that's the best front court defense you have in the NBA right now. So they got that. They got Spencer Din Dinwiddie, who has played in Brooklyn. We're familiar with him. You know, personality off-putting to some, but Guy's a bucket getter, shooting over 40% from three last year and was unbelievable in the playoffs last year in Dallas. So the Nets, you know, you lose an unreal talent in Kyrie Irving, but let's think about what they can be. I still think they're a playoff team, probably second round ceiling, you know, if Kevin Durant is going to buy into this. But I think the Nets made out pretty well for a team that apparently had no options with Kyrie. Um, yeah. You know, it seemed like he was going to hold out. I think they did all right here. They got two quality players back. And this 20, what is it, 2029 first round pick. I don't even know. It's the kid's probably like 13 years old. That's going to be worth the pick, but Luka Doncic might not be on the Mavericks when that pick comes through. I think that's a, you know, it's speculative, but if that pick is going to hit the market, the Nets then we're flush with assets and that Dallas unprotected first, looking at where this situation go with Dallas, they made a very big gamble on Kyrie Irving. If they're not going to commit a full max contract to him, you know, maybe he leaves for a discount with the Lakers then what does Dallas do? They just blew through all their assets again, and you're left with Luka alone. So maybe Luka's out on that trade ship. Again, very impactful for the Nets. So there's a vision here where I could see the Nets still being a contender this year, but we got to see where the dust settles uh, come Thursday. But right now I could see why like there's pause, but I, I think there's still some dominoes to fall. With Kyrie now on the Mavs, I was interested to hear Reed's opinion on what Dallas's ceiling is now with Luka and Kyrie. Kent. Uh, he's not too excited about it. Yeah, I, I think the reaction to Dallas in the futures market is ridiculous. I, I, I think it's out of control. Just, you know, you see where this is going to go. Listen, they're an they're going to be a really fun watch because there's not going to be any stops whatsoever. I mean, you know, Luke is amazing. Kyrie is an unbelievable talent, but, you know, he's still undersized. The Mavericks just gave up their best defensive player. They gave up another, you know, you upgrade Dimwitty to Kyrie. That's a great upgrade. But again, your defense is going to fall off a cliff here. So when it comes to the playoffs, they're not going to get any stops. And I, I don't really see them as a contender in the West. I mean, it is wide open, so maybe a few injuries break their way and stuff. But I'm skeptical that this is going to work out. I think that this is a real uh, gamble by Dallas, and I don't think it's going to pay off for them. I, you could feel the desperation. You know, I know the Nets are the desperate ones to get rid of Kyrie, but Dallas, I think, I won't say fleeced or anything like that because I could see what they were trying to do, but – if you let Kyrie walk, you don't have max cap space. I believe they only have like in the 20s. That It's a big, big gamble by the Mavericks to make this move. And I really don't think they raise their ceiling all that much anyway. Kyrie Irving, I mean, I watched it in Brooklyn. He, he's not, his talent doesn't equal what he is as a foundational player when you're building a roster. Like we were just talking about Pascal Siakam. 
when you're building a championship roster, Pascal Siakam is more of a foundational piece than Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a luxury add-on who's a devastating scorer that could take you over the top, but he's not someone you want to build your roster around. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Had to ask Reed as well what his final thoughts on the Big Three era in Brooklyn now is, given that two thirds of them are actually on other teams. Uh, traumatizing uh, is probably the word I would use. It's been uh, very stressful. And, you know, obviously, listen, they were so close. James Harden doesn't pull a hammy in game one of the Bucks series. Kevin Durant's shoe size is half a size. I mean, I could go through all the what-ifs with this team, and it's obviously crushing as, like, such a big Nets fan, one of the few out there that really wanted to see this team thrive. And I really thought we were going to get there to watch just – like Murphy's Law, like what could go wrong did go wrong. Like literally at every turn, there was another thing and another thing. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen to Durant. I think they have at least this year to make something happen and maybe make the moves that would make him happy because I don't think in this case Durant was as tied to Kyrie as it was over the summer or it appeared over the summer. So I think they have a chance to give to give Durant the team he wants to see. But it just it, – it's really sad that, you know, they get these all-world talents, and they'll never get someone better than Kevin Durant. I'm pretty certain of that. So it's crushing to see that, you know, they fumbled this whole thing, and it's been just a hilarious uh, string of errors here. But, you know, keep the faith. We got uh, the Clippers game coming up in, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and, you know, we stay on the horse. That's why we're fans of these basketball teams. Let me ask you this, Reed, in terms of a hypothetical, because this trade Mm -hmm. has been thrown out there, and you're seeing, you know, the woges of the world talk about this potential – would you want Jalen Brown in a trade? Like, would you take Jalen Brown for the Nets over Kevin Durant? No. <laughs> uh, I, I am team keep Kevin Durant as long as humanly possible. I want Kevin Durant to retire as a net if it were up to me. So that's where my head's at. I also just – I would be shocked if that happened. I, I really uh, find that hard to believe that the best team in the league, the clear best team in the league, would trade their number two guy to get Kevin Durant midseason – in pursuit of a title. I just, I find that hard to believe. I really think given the the time frame here, I just don't think that a Kevin Durant trade is going to materialize that fast, especially considering they made a move to get win now players. And it seems like they're in the mix with Toronto where they're going to try and get more win now players and try and, you know, woo Kevin Durant one more time. So I think, you know, maybe in the off season, if the Celtics flame out early or something, maybe that comes back up. But for now, I just, I don't see a Kevin Durant trade materializing. And honestly, I would, uh, that would be the final blow for me if we, they give up on Durant too. So let's hope that uh, they could keep this together for a little bit longer. And this clip was really interested to see who Reed had coming out of the East. His answer did not disappoint. Yeah, I still think Boston is the best team, clear best team. You know, I want to see where these deadline moves go because to me the East is the far and away best conference or the better conference, I should say, than the Western Conference. So those are going to be the teams maybe a little bit more aggressive trying to you know get into an arms race here and. Again, the Nets are, you know, I'll, I'll keep being in the Nets horn. Uh, three first-rounders tradable, a very, very valuable one in my eyes. Uh, you know, this Finney-Smith-Dimwitty window is probably closed, but 
you know, the Nets are going to be big game hunting too. They're not out of the, they don't think they're out of the hunt just yet. So maybe they stay aggressive and they, again, like if they get Pascal Siakam, that is, they're right there and they could defend the Boston Celtics. So I wouldn't rule out uh, the Nets just yet. Obviously right now it's tough to uh, talk about that pick and talk up the Nets, but let's see where the dust settles. But to me, it's Boston uh, pretty clear in front of everyone. I still think Philly and Milwaukee have some serious concerns. Philly, um, kind of their style of play I'm very concerned about, and also Milwaukee, just a ball handler short. Finally, we asked, what team is he actually having confidence in in the West? His answer, not surprising. It, it, it's tough to see. It's tough to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking long shots last week, and I thought Dallas actually, with Luka and, you know, Finney Smith and the defensive prowess that they could put together, you know, the style they play so slow and stuff, maybe they could be a nice long shot. I don't really see it now. I'm off them because they got Kyrie and gave up Finney Smith in the process. New Orleans, uh, are they going to be aggressive at the deadline? Because if they are adding and Zion comes back healthy, that team could figure it out. I mean, the real concerning thing is Golden State now without Curry for a month. That's going to be like another, I think I counted today, like 12, 15 games around a month timeline. Like that is, they are starting to play with some serious fire there. Not to mention the mileage you're going to put on everybody else around Steph, you know, off the finals run. Can they keep it up? I, I don't trust Memphis's half-court offense. Maybe it's just Denver. Uh, you know, their defense is a big concern, but they have, in my eyes, the MVP once again. Jamal Murray looks much better of late. His last few weeks have been fantastic. Maybe it's just Denver. I don't think it's that exciting. But um, I, uh, as you hear, uh, my dog barking, maybe hopefully in agreement about Denver. But uh, really agrees, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's Denver. So, uh, Or maybe he's pissed that I was uh, talking poorly about Memphis. But uh, I think Denver – they just have the least amount of holes, in my opinion. Yeah, let's keep over, uh, keep over in the West. Is there any sleeper team that you like? Because I feel like, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans has been, have been mm. everybody's darling all year. And obviously, Brandon Ingram goes down with the injury. Zion goes down with an injury. B.I. is back now playing better basketball. Like, how, how do you feel about their upside? It, yeah, to me, it's the Pelicans are probably still my, like, dark horse team just because we saw the ceiling – of what they could be earlier this season with Zion and Brandon Ingram healthy. They were competing for a one seed and, you know, Memphis now in a downswing. I'm really concerned about, you know, Dallas. I just kind of talked about with their defensive issues. The Pelicans could get healthy. They could go on another run where they go 15 and five. And in the Western conference, that's all you need to get back into the top three. I mean, everyone struggles on the road. Uh, Everyone's a mess. It feels like there's issues every which way. So why not the Pelicans still? I mean, their price has fallen way off. Um, probably a little too far off for what we've seen with this upside. Zion's due back. I think I saw he's running now. He's practicing maybe like a week, um, you know, maybe after the all-star break. But, you know, we're right there where I think New Orleans, this is the bottom point for them. And why can't they make a run in this wide open Western Conference? That's all the time that we have for the heat check. Thanks to Reed Wallach for catching up. Catch us on BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern on Twitch, YouTube, and the Odyssey app and radio stations across the country. Come on back tomorrow for an all-new episode as we prep you for the trade deadline. And then, of course, we'll dissect the entire thing on Friday's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at, at this Heat Check, Trista Crick, and on TikTok. Tell your friends, every single one of them, because the Heat Check doesn't sleep.